Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, really glad to have you with us for the Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Good, bad, and crazy news for conservatives. Thanks to Chad Benson for filling in for me Thursday and Friday of last week. And I believe Chad is in for me on Friday of this week. So you have that to look forward to as well. Uh, Jim, let's first of all, before we get to the good martini, congratulations on the Jets uh, defeating the Bengals yesterday. I know it's a little bit strange for folks to think of the Bengals as one of the top teams in the AFC, but record-wise, they certainly were. And they looked to uh, be on their way to victory yesterday until a dramatic fourth quarter comeback by the Jets. And so second win of the season. It's November, and you still have a shred of hope, I would guess. You know, Greg, one of the odder things you know, on Twitter and, and also people congratulating me for the Jets' win, all I did was sit in a bar and root for them. Um, <laughs> even not that much towards the end. You know, for about three, you know, three quarters of the game, my mood started to shift between endless bitterness and despair and anger at the world to a, you know, they played hard today. They're going to lose, but at least they built something. There's some signs. They didn't give up and all that stuff. And then they actually won it. So, yes, I'm overjoyed, but... Um, Almost all of the credit goes to the players and coaches. <laughs> Amazing how that works. Amazing how that works. Yeah, well, congratulations. The Bears were also down by as many as 11 yesterday in the fourth quarter, and they ended up, um, well, losing by 11. So uh, that's how that but Justin goes. Fields looked good doing it. So there's some good signs. He had some highlight moments. He had some highlight moments, but uh, we'll see. He would. It would be nice if he had an offensive line, and I know that's never an issue with the Jets. So um, anyway... <laughs> Let's let's talk about our good martini. And once again, our good martini is that Americans have their eyes and their minds open when it comes to the performance of this president and this administration. This time it's an NBC News poll. And man, I have to think Chuck Todd did not enjoy uh, delivering this news yesterday on Meet the Press. Uh, a lot of different things in this poll. But uh, in one section, which party would do a better job on the following issues? Border security. Republicans by 27 points. Inflation, Republicans by 24. Crime, Republicans by 22. National security by 21. Economy by 18. Getting things done by 13. Right track, wrong track, 22 right track, 71% wrong track. And Biden's at 54% disapproval, 42% approval. Still some people, I'm not sure exactly what they're looking at here. And uh, even though he's above water on COVID, it's way, way, way worse than it was just a few months ago. So... Jim, uh, you know, if you're Glenn Youngkin, you love these numbers. If you're Terry McAuliffe, you hate them. And if you're a Democratic Party uh, trying to figure out what the heck the strategy is going to be in 2022, well, that's not good either. And that all adds up to a pretty good martini. Greg, these poll numbers are about as good as Republicans possibly could hope for. Maybe if you're looking for anything to quibble with, it's that the you know Democrats still have a slight advantage in education. Now, this is a national poll. You had seen this big shift in the direction of Youngkin here in Virginia. So the possibility of this being emulated in a whole bunch of races next year in the midterms uh, certainly seems within the realm of possibility. Um, there were two quotes in the NBC write-up of that poll that I think really illuminated the dynamic here for the Biden administration and Democrats as a whole. Uh, one was from this uh, pollster Horwitz, who says, quote, the promise of the Biden presidency, knowledge, competence, and stability in tough times has been called into question. Then Peter Hart says, he, like, he puts it even more bluntly, what people voted for was stability and calm, and what they got was instability and chaos. Now, Greg, I can remember all through... Um, August and September, being assured over and over again that Biden's poll, bad poll numbers from Afghanistan 
were a short-lived phenomenon and that the only thing Americans were going to remember was that Biden got us out of Afghanistan and that this is now, there would be no lingering effect. I, I think it's now blatantly obvious that maybe some of these issues in the economy were building for a while. Maybe this sense that Biden had not yet shut down the pandemic as he had promised was building for a while. Supply chain issues, inflation. I'm not going to say that all of these lousy numbers for Biden are because of Afghanistan. But Afghanistan was this key turning point that, in other words, the benefit of the doubt that people might have been willing to give to him up until then just eroded in the flat out dishonesty of the administration. And, oh, there's no way you're going to see the Taliban taking over and all that stuff. They looked unprepared. They looked sloppy. They looked dishonest. And Biden said, we're going to get all those people out of there. And of course, then we left lots of Americans there in Afghanistan. And I just don't think you bounce back from that very, certainly not very easily and certainly not very quickly. I think that really leaves a bad taste in people's mouth. And now they look at all of this other information, including inflation, including supply chain issues, including problems at the border. And they look at the, the Biden and the Democrats much more skeptically. And I think this is, um, some of us are going to look at this as, you know, long overdue comeuppance, or I think maybe you could see this as this is what happens to Joe Biden when he doesn't have the Praetorian guard of the media telling you, don't worry, he's the elder statesman, he's this avuncular grandfatherly figure who cares about the country and everything's going to be fine. No, no, he looks like a, a stumble bomb who, who can't, you know, put two sentences together and doesn't really know what's going on around him and always seems to see every problem as being solved. First of all, it takes forever to convince him that there's actually a problem, but when you do convince him there's a problem, he gives you this long meandering story that does not uh, really suggest a real solution there. So great news for Republicans in this poll. I think also just a general sense that like the American people are dissatisfied with what they're getting. And if you are a Democrat contemplating these two giant spending bills, is give, uh, all, none of this has done you any good so far. Why do you think that passing these bills is going to be this you know, tremendous game changer that makes the public love you again? I don't think that's, I think there's very little evidence of that in any of the polling we've seen. And uh, you know, for Republicans, this might be something of a win-win. If you can actually derail it, then it's good for the country. But if you can't, then the Democrats are going to do something really unpopular and not connected to what's on people's minds, inflation, shipping, stuff on the, you know, why, you know, gas prices, food prices, all that kind of stuff. Um, really frustrating people. And the Biden administration and congressional Democrats just look utterly disconnected from all of that. No, that's absolutely right. And uh, the, you mentioned the Praetorian Guard of the media. There are certain things even the media can't uh, protect you from. People go to the store, they know what they paid a couple of months ago, and they know what the price is now. And they know that's a big difference, and they know uh, what's responsible for that. And uh, credit to the media on issues like uh, Afghanistan. They didn't pull a lot of punches. They ignored it once we left, but uh, but once for those two to three weeks where everything was just in complete turmoil, uh, a lot of them let the Biden administration have it. And so the people have not forgotten and they're seeing the effect of all these policies on their wallets. So they're going to try and uh, fire up the base by maybe passing these things and maybe giving money to people that they hope will vote for them. But uh, it's not going to have the impact they thought, that's for sure. All right, let's uh, talk about something certainly better than the Biden agenda. But for Republicans, uh, it's tough to match those poll numbers. But if you want to know the best way to start your day, ritual multivitamins. We deserve to know what we're putting in our bodies and why, especially when it comes to something we take every day. Ritual has a clean, vegan-friendly multivitamin, and it's formulated with high-quality nutrients and bioavailable forms your body can actually use. But there are things you're not going to find in Ritual multivitamins. That includes sugars, GMOs, major allergens, synthetic fillers, and artificial colors. Plus, 
It comes with a really nice, fresh taste, and the delayed release capsule design makes taking your vitamins super easy. I've been taking Ritual Multivitamins, and it could not be simpler. Ritual is the multivitamin reimagined. A multivitamin should contain key ingredients and forms your body can actually use to help fill gaps in your diet and with no shady extras. Ritual's delayed release capsule design delivers high quality nutrients, including vitamin D3, in just two daily pills. And remember that Ritual is made traceable. You will always know what nutrients you're taking and where they come from, thanks to Ritual's one-of-a-kind visible supply chain. Ah, supply chains. Those are important these days. They're always important. We just know about them now because they're not working so great. Uh, get your key nutrients without the BS. Ritual is offering three martini lunch listeners 10% off during your first three months. So visit ritual.com slash martini to start your ritual today. Again, ritual.com slash martini. As we just mentioned, Jim, there's a lot of serious, real problems in the world. And, uh, in the meantime, Biden and uh, I think Obama's there, Kerry's there. I just saw a picture that Al Gore is there. Yeah, we're talking about this uh, climate summit in Glasgow, Scotland, that uh, is such an urgent crisis that twenty to 30,000 people flew in there on their private jets to uh, attend this summit. Uh, so basically, it's a big money grab. Boris Johnson, I think, is trying to get hundreds of billions of dollars raised for poorer countries. Prince Charles talking about marshalling a veritable army to attack uh, the, the climate situation. And then, of course, there's our climate envoy, John Kerry. Uh, according to Axios, John Kerry has made one special ask of world leaders since he became Biden's climate envoy in January to help him consign coal to history. As the UN Climate Summit convenes in Glasgow, Scotland, all signs suggest that they will not deliver, probably because some of them are rational. Uh, Kerry has billed Glasgow as the world's last best chance for averting potentially catastrophic events from uh, global warming. So, Jim, I'm guessing if they don't get everything they want, there's going to be another last best chance. That's how this works. Everything uh, falling apart is always, uh, you know, eight to 10 years away. So they always have another chance to to scare us even more. But what do you make of uh, Biden through Kerry uh, essentially telling everyone, oh, you got to help me kill the coal? <laughs> Look, if I, I think there are scenarios where folks like you and I who are instinctively roll our eyes when we see this sort of thing. And we're not, we're fed up with being lectured by little Greta and, you know, all of these officials who have you know, Biden traveling with this massive motorcade, everything got to get, everything he takes over there, by the way, has to be shipped over by military plane. Um, the fact that, you know, as I wrote over the weekend at the corner, apparently up to 30,000 government officials are attending this thing. Now, maybe the UK officials took the train. Maybe a couple of the Europeans might have taken over the channel or something like that. But by and large, the overwhelming majority of the tens of thousands of government officials who went there flew there. And some of them flew on private planes. And of course, you know, at one passenger on one flight, uh, the carbon emissions of them is, is roughly the equivalent of like a, a, a you know, the typical American family in like two or three weeks. So the idea, like, you know, this is an enormous expenditure. On, but in the case of John Kerry, he has a private jet and he says, no, no, I have to use this. It's the only way I can make these meetings. It's, it's you know, it's I, I can't be expected to, you know, fly commercial like everybody else. He got a lot of grief for that and deservedly so because he wants other people to make sacrifices to reduce their carbon emissions. But he himself is not willing to make uh, any discernible sacrifices. And he's been married to Teresa Hines and he's been living high on the hog for his whole life. So now it's time for everybody else to start making sacrifices and not him. Um so this entire, we, we've seen this before. Every one of these things comes out with, you know, more lessons of here's things that you have to do. You have to give up your SUV 
but the president can't give up his SUV because he needs it for security. You have to give up your Big Mac. You have to give up your uh, you know home heating system, and you're 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 the problem. It's never it's never the the policymakers. They're always the quick the first to tell us how much they care, how important they are. Um, just really infuriating, really bothersome. Um, and just kind of a, a predictable process uh, that we've seen through this. But the other thing is, like, even if you if if you know, we kind of weren't you know could get past all this, look, you want to deal with climate change, you got to deal with China. You want to deal with climate change, you probably also want to do with the fact that Russia wants to be an oil and natural gas powerhouse, um, and you probably have to deal with the fact that um, you know that, that basically the, you know the growth of India and then the enormous amount of you know as people get wealthier they 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 use more energy they generate more carbon this is just the, the basic facts telling people they have to use less carbon is telling them they cannot improve their quality of life or their standard of life and so the fact that they're doing this without Russia or China there basically is the free societies of the world choosing to punish their own citizens to address increasing carbon emissions from places like China. It is absolutely wrongheaded and upside down. And they just kind of talk beyond, they just like to talk around this because it's really, really uh, uncomfortable them to admit, yeah, there's only so much we can do. There are these two other you know, big countries that are generate tons of carbon and we'd like to influence their behavior, but we can't even get them to open up their labs so that we can look to see if there's a lab leak. So there's no way we're gonna convince them to reduce their, their quality of living and reduce their quality of life, reduce their carbon emissions. It is absolutely um, just bonkers and ridiculous. And there's a reason people are very cynical about this. But I kind of feel like this is the, you know, a part of being the, the Acela class elite is to basically look at all this and not have any cognitive dissonance. Yeah. And there's not going to be any uh, major pushback against China. I know that uh, Biden's willing to overlook the genocide in exchange for some concessions on climate. But if they're not even sending anyone to Glasgow, it's obviously not a priority. They've got an agenda that's... Uh, far more precise and far more aggressive than anything Joe Biden's planning to do. In this Axios story, Jim, uh, John Kerry uh, allegedly told the AP in September it would be like President Trump pulling out of the Paris Climate Agreement again if Democrats fail to pass a robust climate bill. Yet part of his agenda is to phase out coal. Now, if only there were a senator who could put all this on ice because coal is a major factor in his state, you know, you, you put... Those two things together from John Kerry, why would Joe Manchin in any way be interested in passing what John Kerry wants to get passed? Uh, there's, you know, there, there's that factor. And I also observe that like John Kerry apparently has found himself at loggerheads with other people in the administration because he really, really wants a climate deal with China. And he's you know done everything. By the way, he really wants to meet with Xi Jinping. Xi Jinping does not want to meet with him. When he went over to China, they stuck him with some low-level functionary, functionary who was kind of this, you know, you know, very deliberate snub. Look, we have a lot of interest with China, right? You know, I, I've already ranted about the possibility of the lab leak and COVID-19. Uh, we've got Hong Kong, we've got Taiwan, we've got the treatment of the Uyghurs, we've got the treatment of t- Tibet, we've got uh, intellectual property theft, we've got trade policy, I mean, you name it, we got a lot of concerns with China. And yeah, we've also got climate change and the fact that they have a lot of coal plants, and they generate a lot of carbon into the atmosphere. John Kerry pretty clearly has said he wants us to prioritize climate change and all this other stuff, Hong Kong, Taiwan, COVID-19, human rights of Uyghur. By the way, almost all the solar panels you see in the world are made by Uyghur slave labor. Not almost all, but yeah, but like a whole chunk of them are made from either forced labor, exploited labor, labor conditions that most of the world would find utterly unacceptable and stuff like that. So if you want to use solar panels, you can do that. But just in the process, you are supporting you know, a system of systematic you know, slavery, abuse, and genocide. 
there's your pick environmentalists and a whole bunch of them basically like, uh, okay, I guess we're okay with genocide. <laughs> you know, dead people emit less carbon, I guess is the, the justification there. So like John Kerry is just like this distilled essence of everything wrong in U.S. policymaking. But I kind of have to admit his, I almost have to salute his consistency, Greg. You said Xi Jinping snubbed him, huh? So evil does not mean stupid, apparently. <laughs> oh, yeah. Xi Jinping has got other more important evil things to do. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe he wants to take a nap because that's what you're going to need during and after a meeting with John Kerry. And it looked like uh, Biden was uh, snoozing off a little bit in the early sessions of this climate summit today as well. But, you know, you'd get a better nap with a my pillow. Uh, we know about the uh, the pillows. We know about the uh, towels. But there's also the fantastic Giza Dream Sheets. And now my pillow wants you to sleep better with those Giza Dream Sheets. And to help you do that, they're allowing you to buy one, get one free on any set of Giza Dream Sheets when you use our promo code Martini at MyPillow.com. Imagine sliding into the most comfortable sheets you will ever own, guaranteed. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton. They're grown only in a region between the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River. The long staple cotton makes these sheets ultra soft and breathable. They're available in a variety of colors and sizes, and these sheets are machine washable. They have a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. So right now for a limited time, buy one, get one free on all Giza Dream Sheets. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listeners square, and use the promo code MARTINI at checkout. Or call 800-874-0104. Find deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. Do not miss this sale of the year. That's MyPillow.com, promo code MARTINI, or call 800-874-0104. Sleep better with MyPillow.com. All right, Jim, on to our crazy martini now. And this happened three days ago, but it really desperately needs to be addressed. And so uh, tomorrow's election day in Virginia for the three major statewide races, as well as the House of Delegates and perhaps a smattering of local races, although I didn't uh, vote on any other thing, anything lower than House of Delegates uh, when I voted early a couple weeks ago. But uh, Glenn Youngkin has been doing better in the polls. Terry McAuliffe has been shooting himself in the foot regularly. Um, and perhaps the most pathetic moment came on Friday where Glenn Youngkin is making a stop. He's got his bus there. And there are these protesters supposedly dressed like the... Um, the racists from the uh, Unite the Right rally and their Tiki Torch event uh, in Charlottesville four years ago. And so they're out there shouting, we are all with Glenn all the way or we stand with Glenn or something like that. And all these Democratic operatives uh, are, are quickly uh, retweeting out, oh my gosh, the white supremacists have shown up. They're all in for Glenn. Can you possibly imagine electing someone like this as our next governor? And then people started recognizing who these people were. They are actually employees of different Democratic organizations in the state. And so folks wondered if they were uh, paid there by the McAuliffe campaign. And there are still some questions about how exactly they got there and who paid for it. But the Lincoln Project took responsibility for it, despite earlier in the day, you know, having the public vapors about such a thing uh, allegedly happening for real. But no, they said we wanted to get this out there and remind people of how horrible Charlottesville and, you know, supposedly Yunkin hasn't denounced that and denounced Trump's comments at the time about that enough, enough, enough. So uh, so in the end, uh, the Lincoln Project falls on the sword or actually is responsible for it. And so, uh, Jim, the desperation, uh, the crass politics of it. And then, of course, there's uh, media outlets like Reuters 
who say, actually, it was uh, anti-Trump Republicans who did this. It's, it wasn't a Democratic conspiracy at all. So what's your reaction to all this? Yeah, well, first of all, almost all five of the individuals, by the way, one of whom is African-American, yep. which probably your first signal, either grassroots white nationalists have formed an affirmative action program because they, they have a diversity and inclusion mandate. It's really important that they diversify <laughs> in their views of, of white nationalism and white supremacy. Or the indication that something, you know, something here is at work and does not match this. My, my, as of Friday afternoon, it certainly looked like people were matching the people in these photos. They're wearing caps and they're wearing, you know, uh, sunglasses. But you can generally get a sense that you can look at their faces and they've matched. Look, so off, they look an awful lot like faces of known operatives, uh, you, you know, generally low-level staffers of the Virginia Democratic Party. Now, maybe they were all subcontracted out to the Lincoln Project, or maybe they were loaned out to the Lincoln Project, or maybe the Lincoln Project looked for volunteers. I'm not sure exactly how this shook out, but for what it's worth, this, the Lincoln Project came out and said, yes, this was us. This was our work. We're proud of it. One, they shouldn't be proud of it. Um, and it sounds like, you know, for what it's worth, I mean, they did get Terry McAuliffe to, to issue a statement saying this is really bad, and that he was really, really upset that it was found out. Um, but what's more, I think this is a good, useful indicator of, uh, you know, sometimes on social media, you'll see people saying basically politics gives you brain worms. It basically makes people stupid. And this is an extraordinarily stupid stunt for the Lincoln Project to have done, assuming it was the Lincoln Project alone. And part of that is, is that if you found the, the events in Charlottesville, the Unite the Right rally, the, the running over of that poor woman, the, uh, the tiki, you know, losers and tiki torches marching around saying Jews will not replace us. Newsflash, guys, Jews don't want to be you. Nobody wants to be you. Nobody was, oh, you're not going to get replaced. Don't worry. We've got your job as a loser is, is well secure. Don't worry. Um, that basically, this is all terrible, really one of the, you know, a really dark day in recent American history. This is terrible. You don't want to see, you know, nut jobs marching in the streets with both, you know, not just Confederate flags, but some idiot running around with a Nazi flag. Screw that. You know, nobody, nobody wants to see you. If you really see this as a genuinely dark thing, you don't then pretend to be that in order to win a political race or to prove a point. You don't see people dressing up like Nazis on Holocaust Remembrance Day. You know, and December 7th rolls around. It's not as big a deal in this country as it used to be, but nobody dresses up as Japanese kamikaze pilots because they want to say, oh, this is good. I want to emphasize how bad this is. No, no. When you dress up as that which you hate, because you think you're proving some point or something, you're, you're almost literally becoming that which you hate, right? And, and at the heart of this is this idea. I see a lot of this in the Democratic Party and progressives on the left, but I'm not going to, I'm sure it exists on the right. This idea that because I am the good guys, I am the fighting for truth, justice in the American way, is because Superman's not using that phrase anymore. Because you believe that all virtue is on your side, you basically believe that the ends start to justify the means, that you can do that, that it's okay to lie that it's okay to make a false accusation against somebody, that it's okay to try to mislead people because it's serving the greater good. Now, once you start doing that, I hate to tell you this, you're not a good guy anymore. You might be standing for puppies and Mother Teresa and apple pie and all the best things in the whole wide world. But once you start doing dishonesty, once you start lying, once you start doing things where you want to fool people into thinking things happen that didn't actually happen, you know, you'd become somebody else like just another person who's making, you know, a, a hoax hate crime, right? It turns into, you know, yeah, hate crimes are really terrible when they're genuine. When somebody wants the attention of being the victim of a hate crime and they make it up or all the different things of you won't believe what this person wrote on a waitress's uh, receipt and all these other hoax stories and stuff like that. Yeah, this is an example of people, you are, you are adding to the phenomenon that you say is so terrible. 
which means clearly deep down, you don't think it's so terrible. You think it's kind of good when there's hate crimes because you think it makes people aware of how bad the world is, how bad America is. In the end, you become another Jesse Smollett, right? You, you, Jesse Smollett wanted to be a victim of this is MAGA country, you know, make America great again, you know, Trump racist, xenophobic, anti-gay, you know, thugs. But he faked it just so he could feel that way. Also, I suspect to get publicity to help his career. When you do that, you become part of the problem. You make the country a worse place to do. And, you know, the folks at the Lincoln Project made the state of Virginia a worse place by doing this because they tried to fool people into thinking white supremacy and white nationalism is right out in the open once again. And that these people are, you know, openly supporting Glenn Youngkin and also kind of trying to imply that Glenn Youngkin is okay with this. And there's no indication of that whatsoever. So anyway, an appalling day in Virginia history. I hope I'd like to think this would kill off the Lincoln Project. It won't. But I'd like to think that enough Democrats are mortified by the stupidity of this, that, that they stop donating to this group and they stop realizing, if nothing else, it should be called something more appropriate. Like, um, Greg, how about the Jefferson Davis Project? <laughs> Well, Rick Wilson's already got the cooler for the Jefferson Davis. <laughs> we know that. But uh, the other thing that I'm wondering is um, whether people will understand how the Lincoln Project got to where it is. They claim they're principal. They're obviously not. Uh, they're, they're aimless grifters, essentially, at this point. But not only are they craven in what they do, they're really incompetent and bad at it. And so basically what happened, I think, is they you know, conned a lot of Republicans into giving them a lot of money and didn't see much in the way of results. So they kind of got spit out the bottom of the Republican Party in terms of the consulting world. And then once Trump won, they knew they had no no, uh, no footing to go forward. And so they really had no place else to go but to try to con a bunch of Democrats. Is that about right? I think you're you're absolutely correct there, Greg. Like, I think back to the Democratic consultant, Mudcat Saunders. Think back to Zell Miller endorsing George W. Bush in 2004, um, you can even kind of like make a parallel to Manchin and Cinema right now, holding out against what progressives want. Like the you know, Republicans are always going to like the, the perception of a turncoat Democrat who says my side has been wrong. Look at the you know, reception for uh, Andrew Sullivan and Barry Weiss and some of these you know dissident former progressives or former Democrats or folks on the left side of the aisle. Um, the the Lincoln Project guys early on, I'm sure there were Democrats. Oh my God, well, they're they're good Republicans. They're the Republicans who can see how terrible Trump is. Oh, my goodness. They've finally seen the light. They've, their souls have been saved, you know. Um, but we got to get, you know, of course, we got to get uh, church, church and state separated. You know, we can't have any religious illusions like that. <laughs> um, and so they, you know, you're right. The Lincoln Project realized that they're, they're, you know, there isn't a heck of a lot of money and, and public support for being a never Trump Republican. There's not none, but there's certainly not enough to finance, you know, your second home in Aspen and all the other good things in life that the Lincoln... Oh, but look at how they spent their money, by the way. They just happened to need headquarters in, in a, you know, in a ski village out in Colorado. Um, the Lincoln Project, you know, when, you know, look, you could make a lot of money by being the good Republican attacking the bad Republican. Uh, Democratic donors, love, particularly if you run it, you know, and we saw this all throughout the 2020 cycle, they would run ads on DC in the DC market, which is you know if you run it on Fox News, um, and who's watching Fox News in the DC market? Well, President Trump is. So President Trump would get on Twitter and just go this you know furious tirade about it. Well, other liberals would see this; they'd be very happy about this, and they'd start sending money to the Lincoln Project. Whether this was actually doing any good to elect Democratic candidates is very debatable, and whether this had much to do with Trump's defeat in 2020. 
very, very debatable to the point of disputed. I think, you know, I think there was some indications that uh, Lincoln Project ads actually moved people in the direction of Trump. They were so over the top and obnoxious that they actually made people sympathize with Donald Trump. That's how bad their ads were. Um, but that's, you know, look, they, they, the grift has to continue. The, that in the end, like they still look, those those beach houses aren't going to pay for themselves. You know, they, they've <laughs> got to figure out some new way, which is why they're going after Glenn Youngkin as if he's, you know, Donald Trump 2.0. And they've basically become another democratic activist group, except they all used to work in, you know, Republican campaigns. And I can't help but point out, like, really, by and large, unsuccessful, at least at the presidential level, Republican campaigns. No. But hey, you know what? They're, in the end, they're doing a much more successful job at separating Democratic donors from their money than they ever were at electing Republicans. Yeah, that's their only upside. Uh, they take a lot of money away from Democratic donors and give them nothing in return. So in that sense, uh, they are performing somewhat of a function. But uh, so, Jim, we'll see what uh, impact any of this has uh, tomorrow on the vote, assuming we actually have results tomorrow. But uh, in the meantime, I will see you tomorrow on Election Day. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, do subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast if you don't already. Tell your friends about us as well. Thank you so much for your kind reviews and your five-star ratings. Remember to get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Monday, and please join us on Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. <laughs>